0: Welcome to Kicking It Local, the podcast all about the football community in South Australia. I'm your host, Johnny Kekko, and today I'm joined by the coach of Salisbury United in State League Two, Matt Gustin. Mate, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Johnny. I appreciate it.
0: It's uh, going to be a good chat today because you've had a big career in, uh, in South Australia. 96 goals, I believe it is, in 250 games locally. Right. So that's your playing career, but you've been coaching for almost 11 years now. And you're only you're only young, mid-30s, I believe. 35, 36 next month. So 11 years coaching at that age, just a long time.
1: It is. Um, look, it's something I was always passionate about doing. I loved the, the, the other side of the game, I guess. I wasn't yep. just about playing. So... For me, getting into it at youth level and trying to build that knowledge so that once I did retire, I could step straight in at, at, at senior level was mm. always my ambition. Well,
0: now you're you're at least going to, well, fingers crossed, all goes well, you're going to be there for another three years because you just signed a brand new contract. Congratulations with you, um, for, to you for the uh, three-year contract for Salisbury.
1: Yeah, look, uh, uh, fantastic. I, I think... It was great that they gave me a two-year to start with. It probably took that initial pressure off and then to, to have chats with them and, and get the feedback that they're really happy with how I'm going and yep. to get that long extension, I suppose, it's a commitment to me um, from them, which, you know, a lot of young coaches don't necessarily yeah. get. So, yeah, really appreciative of that.
0: And uh, we'll I'll talk about how you got there afterwards because you had to make a little bit of a sacrifice to take this job off. Um, it was a bit, a little bit of a risk yep. um, when you were at LA Uni. But before we get there, let's go into your playing career. Cause you've been... You've, uh, Scored 96 goals, uh, over 250 games locally. But you could have, after chatting to you, you could have done a lot more if you had stayed here in Adelaide. but um, Because you did leave for a little period to take a completely different turn um, away from your football career. But it all kicked off for you, Playford. Um, So what was um, the choice for going to Playford? Yeah, look, I mean,
1: I was a junior at Elizabeth City. And then we transitioned to Playford. Um, so that was 2000 so I went and joined the, I joined the sports Institute on a scholarship um, and from there came came out of that and returned to Playford yeah I um, was lucky enough to break into the first team there at, at sort of 16 and and had a had a strong season individually for me individually um, but As a team we got relegated yeah um so not necessarily a a great position for the club to be in but for me it was fantastic exposure at such a young age so always wanted to be at playford
0: and you're a northern boy yeah grew up
1: in the heart of elizabeth so um yeah good or bad but yeah um grew up there played there for a majority of my junior Mm. career through the downs and stuff like that so
0: is that why you've eventually made found your way back there now with salisbury united
1: yeah i think um, just, I've always associated to that region. My parents still live there. I work north. Yeah. So I think for me, it's just somewhere I feel quite natural with. And I think there's a different vibe about northern clubs. Yep. Um, and I think you have to have sort of grown up with them to truly understand and appreciate them. So yep. for me, I've always had that association and wanted to return there.
0: Well, then you played there for a little bit. You kept on returning back you found your way back to Playford for over your, throughout your career but your next step after that was Metro Stars yeah and that's tr- uh, turned to be a successful one for you cuz you just got relegated with uh, Playford yep. then you go there and you win um back to back titles in the NPL with Metro Stars yeah what was it like to be part of uh the Metro Stars in that 2000 a 2003 period, four yeah, period 2003
1: 2004 period yeah look it was it was really good to be honest i i, I knew the coaches Mark Barnett and Brenton Hearn from um the state environments that yep. i've been involved in and they gave me a call and got me out there and look i was just a kid um but there was phenomenal footballers out there from top yep. to bottom you know i was sitting on the bench alongside people like shane smeltz you know <laughs> yeah. what i mean so it was jeez. you know there's weeks where like michael brooks and Corey artonia on the bench and i'm just sitting there so, like just incredible
0: how were we how were you we at that time
1: 17 and 18 17? yeah jeez so young, so um, I was there, I think that was Delosio's first year out there yep. as well. I think Matricia just returned back to Campbelltown, so it was Youngie was his first year out there as well. So yep. there's a lot of young lads out there. And then they had this core group of established 14, 15-year-olds who were probably at that stage all Adelaide yeah. United level, to be honest. And yeah. it was a great learning experience.
0: Well, so you, that was one of your favorite moments being there like, at that period. 17-year-old, that would have shaped your career being around those... Those big players at the time. Yeah,
1: I think when you're there, you probably, you want to play more. Yeah. Like I was still playing enough, but probably a few appearances off the bench. But I think when you look back at it in hindsight and you realize, I suppose, the habits mm. you learned off such high caliber, high quality footballers, yep. it's just, it's, it's a lot of things I've established and taken through my entire career. So Someone like Shane Smilt, uh, what was that like to be alongside him? Yeah, look, he was young at the time too. I mean, he was struggling to break into the team. You know, you got someone like Michael Brooks up front and yeah. Vince Gamizzi and you know, it's just, uh, it was just incredible. Yeah. Like to to be able to. to a Week-in, week-out training was like nothing I'd ever had. And I'd gone from a team like Playford who had been relegated where a lot of the stars were on their way out yep. to a club at Metro who had significant ambition at that period mm. of time. So, yeah, it was incredible to be a part of.
0: What's your favourite moments? I know you won those titles and also a cup during that period. But yep. is there any
1: moments or memories that stick out for you during that period? Um, <laughs> look, there's a couple. I, I think um, I, I tell two stories. So, one probably not football-related. It's... Um, pre-season we're doing the uni loops yep and Corey Artoni's rocked up and doesn't do uni loops and he's jumped in his car for half the uni loop and (laughs) and that was probably something i'd never seen and probably never see again and then um the second one from a footballing perspective was just i think it's it's a weird thing to say but just training yeah i'd never been in training environment like that and just the, the the quality of footballers and you just sometimes you would train and like well, you know, we were losing players consistently to, to A-League and stuff like that at that period of time, but all of a sudden I'd look around and every single player had played 300 games. You'd just yeah. be joining in at training. Whenever you'd done something good and they acknowledged it, it was just like it meant something yep. because they were, they, they'd been there, they'd done it.
0: What were some of the training uh, things that you noticed that was different
1: to what you experienced before at Playford? Uh, just consistency of execution. So, yep. you know, you could do a passing exercise and even just something small like a rondo. And if you're in the middle, you're in the middle for a long time. Yeah. Because just people don't make mistakes at that level. You do a shooting exercise and you've got someone like Dan Godley in goal, who's a high caliber keeper and balls just being buried in the net left, yeah. right and center because, you know, someone like Brooksy goes 10 from 10. So it's just in, yeah incredible standards. So now you're on your up, you've got
0: these be around these plays and stuff. Did you have any hints of that you might get more game time at metro stars and potentially become like a regular first team player
1: it it was always my ambition and it was always something i felt i was gonna get there um i was probably a little bit unlucky with my body at that period of time it broke down a little bit and and that put a significant sort of hold on any sort of next step really um so yeah look i I think if i was able to stay fit during that period i probably would have been able to establish myself more but um yeah body just let me down a little bit
0: then after that you made it change instead of going to another club you left football to, altogether all together yep to join a defense force yep. at the age of
1: 18 yep what was the reason behind that yeah look as i said i um i was trialing out for a, a team at the time called team sa which was competing in like yep. an international challenge um and my groins just broke down i could barely move and i got diagnosed with osteoartist pubis at that time oh, shit. Yeah. and 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 really bad and Sort of the the doctor said to me, sort of six to twelve months off, yep. no football. Um, and I had six months off. I came back and I still felt it. Yeah, and I think I was sitting at home. I'd put on a bit of weight. Um, and my old man goes, "You get a job." And then I sort of looked at, looked online at what sort of jobs are available. And I'd always been reasonably patriotic. My my grandparents had come out after the war, yep. so I'd always had an interest in that side of things. So I thought to myself, you know what, free medical. Mm. get myself into the defense force they can maybe fix my body and then see how i go from there so yeah packed up my bags and off i went what was the the reception like from your
0: family when you told them that's what you wanted to do when your dad said get a job he probably thought maybe at the deli down the road not <laughs> yeah. going to the defense force
1: yeah look i think it was a bit of a shock for them I oh, look they've always been supportive of anything i've ever done yeah. in my life but i think yeah it was it was a big shock for them yeah especially you know 18 yeah probably not expecting me to do that to be honest
0: well, just i want to take a step back to the osteitis pubis um diagnosis you got so what was that like To how did that affect you um if you don't mind me asking yeah. how, how did that affect you with the um your 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 life as well, especially you couldn't play football anymore, yeah. but did it make a big change to the way you had to live as well?
1: Yeah, look, and I, look, it happened at a time where that wasn't a common diagnosis. So yeah. for probably a good three, four months, I was being diagnosed with groin strains, mm. having two weeks off, coming yep. back, breaking down again. And it got to a point where I couldn't get a bed. bed, yep. like physically didn't have the strength through my core to get out of bed. So it affected normal day things like just... Um, walking yeah so for me it was it. it's significantly impacted I suppose physical but then mental as well because I yeah. love the game and I've played football every day of my life from probably the age of four so yeah. there was all of a sudden there was this period where it was the first setback I'd have experienced from an injury perspective and not being able to play and I was struggling to even go to games on Saturdays and watch because yep. I just wasn't enjoying it so yeah, yeah it, it was a mental break in the end I think which which sort of i stepped away from the game for that reason because i was trying to hang on to the game without necessarily yep. being involved in it
0: so for those that don't know with osteitis pubis is it something that lasts for a long time or just you can get over it after 12 months or something or is it there for a lifetime yeah i
1: think it's much more manageable now but at the time it's basically like i mean the way i described to people was like severe shin spins in your groin yeah like it just it, and everything had swollen up and I suppose training during those years was a lot more like road running in the yep. off season, a lot more harder pitches and stuff like that. So it was probably a common thing, but yeah, it just it completely ruins my groin. And then because I had it so bad, I lost a lot of core strength. Yep. And so I think if you reestablish yourself with core strength, you're okay. Probably something I never done to the yep. maximum. So I experienced it for the rest of my rest of my career.
0: Yeah. So then, when you went to the uh, to the um,
1: defence force, what was that like there? Did it affect you there as well? But or did that help you? Yeah, look on fitness. Probably had my sort of twelve months rest by then. So re- realistically, the body had recovered reasonably well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were certain yeah. things where, yeah. especially like we were out in Victoria in the cold, so you get a couple of minus degrees days, and yeah, the body the Jeez. body felt very sore. How um how long did you end up doing the Defence Force for? Yeah, so I was in there for about three years in the end. Um,
0: yeah, three 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 and a half years. Yep. What was the um your role down there? You
1: think? <clears throat> sure. So it's a bit of a long one. I was a communications and information system sailor. Oh well. Um, so just basically communicator really. Yeah. Um, so, um, on the radios, Morse code. Flashing, Morse light. Code. yeah, well, that's I don't remember any of it, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was, it was unique doing all the flags and stuff like that. I always wanted to get into the IT industry, I yep. always had a passion, in it, and this was something that I was going to come out of there with some qualifications with from an IT side of things,
0: so. yeah. So, with the Morse code, side, I mean, yeah, how hard is that to learn, and what is it specifically that you had to do with the Morse code?
1: Yeah, I suppose you have the alphabet, and and it all has short pauses, long pauses, and you just do repetition. I mean, we spent probably 16 months so like different sounds and stuff yeah so like you know dit is a short and dirt is a long and then like a might be dit dirt and then different letters have different representations different numbers have different representations it's all like with buzzing sounds is it yeah Yeah. correct so either flashing a light to to create short and long or or pressing the buzzer which creates like buzzing noises for short and long It's it's, oh wow it it was a long time to learn yeah um And then it's not just about learning it, it's about having to be really fast at it and then being able to read it quickly because you could be flashing light with a ship that's six or seven kilometers away (laughs) in rough seas and you're trying to flash a light with them. It's very difficult. Yeah, because if you just miss one light or something... Changes everything. <laughs> yeah. Changes everything. So, yeah, no, you, sometimes you'd be writing stuff down and you'd be like, that doesn't make sense and you'd have to sort of fill in the gaps. But, yeah, very challenging. I can imagine. No, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it, and it's something, I something to talk English sometimes. It's something that you probably never do in any other facet of life. Yep. It's very unique to the Defence Force. So, um, yeah, it's not been a skill that's translated really. But, yep, No, it was. A very unique, <laughs> incredible experience. So
0: how would you describe that experience, not just the Morse code, but everything else you did at during that period of three years, help you for when you came out of it and afterwards in life?
1: Yeah, look, and I think that's probably the most positive thing was just independence, autonomy, discipline, yep. all these probably intangible things that sometimes you get through life experience. I mean, as a young kid, being 18 years of age, um, learning how to, uh, I suppose, take yes, take no's you yeah. know what I mean you, you you got your parents as your sole source of discipline normally when you're a young kid and all of a sudden I had officers who I had to say yes to telling me what to do so you certainly learn discipline and independence and things like that and I think that's sort of put yeah. me in a position for the rest of my life where moving out of home at that age and and being independent um I, I feel like I've I just it just helped me develop as a person
0: yeah so how long did it take until you've found your way back into football again
1: Yeah, so I played a little bit when I was in basic training, just for the base, really. Um, That was was very low-level country stuff in Victoria. But then once I got deployed to Cairns, um, I joined a team up in North Queensland in their top tier called Stratford Dolphins and and had a good season there. Um, And that's when I knew my body was starting to feel better. Um, That was challenging. I was having to sort of fit football into being deployed at sea and yeah. and being rostered on for weekends and stuff like that. But some friends really helped me out and I was able to play a majority of the games and, and had a really good season up there.
0: What was the quality like in far north Queensland? Was it as high as what it
1: could be here in South Australia? Um, I would say the the top-level talent, yes, but there probably wasn't as much depth to teams. Yep. Every team sort of had two or three really standout players. Yep. Um, and especially at that time, they were just starting to establish like North Queensland Fury and stuff like that. In the so A-League? In the A-League. Yeah. So there's quite a lot of players that were pulled from the local league out there to sort of train with them. And, and so the standard was definitely increasing. And you have a lot of people who who played locally in different States that are up there living now, yeah. and they go and play out there. So, look, I would say it's probably a, a top end state league one talent sort of level. Okay, um, with a couple of sporadic MPL players thrown in per team. Yeah, like it was good fun.
0: I can imagine. And then once you're there, you're there for a few years. I'm assuming. Yep. Come back home, or was there ever the intention to come back home after
1: that? Look, there, there was the intention to come back home, but um, obviously had the opportunity yep. to go overseas. Um, so, so took some time off from the navy and, and traveled overseas and ended up spending around sort of three four years over in the uk
0: uk nice. yeah did you ever play in the uk or
1: i did i played some lower level stuff in the uk um some sort of semi-pro stuff and then also just some some fun stuff with friends yeah. from work and that really enjoyed well, it to with, be honest with the
0: semi-pro which
1: any teams that you um uh yeah so just yeah. like maldon Malden town i think they're maldon and tiptree now played a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, in some Ryman League teams, really, which is probably just the tier below, like Conference and stuff like yep. that. So, um, you know, a couple of FA Cup runs and stuff like that. So you did play FA Cup, yeah? Played an yeah. FA Cup game. We played against Ipswich Town, which I think at that time Roy Keane was managing. So, oh wow! Yeah, it was quite interesting. Um, did was, you,
0: you obviously got a, a start in that game, or uh, come off the bench, off the bench in bench? that game?
1: Yeah, so I was I was playing for um I was out at Malden and and I represented like this. Essex select team which was the county I was in at the time and and off the back of that I was doing some pre-season out there as well and and then yeah some really early days yeah. FA qualifying games
0: what's the um quality like over there with the FA Cup because I spoke spoken to mark Talbot, he played an FA Cup game as well yep. um in, in the lower levels but what was it like for you to be a part of the uh the, like a historic cup competition in the football
1: yeah look it's incredible experience and I suppose at the time I probably didn't appreciate it as much yep. as now I look back on it and think because it's it doesn't necessarily feel like it when it's that low level. Yeah. I think if you'd got through to those first couple of rounds and, and you start getting into some of the bigger games, yes. But at that level, you know, you're playing like 48 games in a season yeah. from a league perspective. So four or five different cup competitions, all of a sudden you've had nine games in two weeks you forget which game you're playing you're like cup league it's just it's incredible but no i really enjoyed all my time over there and, and i got to establish myself as a striker while i was over there as well which is probably the, the, the biggest thing for me
0: yep so that was did you get your most um experience playing over there than you what you did playing with the of in the far north queensland
1: yeah i think I, I, look, most of my junior career, I was a striker. And then, sort of, when I hit about 12, 13, I sort of transitioned back to being a defender. Yep. Um, and at Playford and Metro, I was primarily a, a defender. Um, and I didn't really enjoy it, but yep. I always want. I always saw myself as more of an offensive player, and then um, yeah, sort of far of Queensland, played as a striker, and then when I went overseas, I established myself as a striker even more, and got lots of experience over there. Just played lots of football. Yeah, you know, in two three years over there, I probably played the equivalent to eight or nine seasons here. Yeah, in terms of games, so it was just a fantastic experience.
0: So if you if you had established yourself as a, um, a striker in those early seasons, you probably could have cracked the uh, over hundred goals.
1: <laughs> Look, I think Luckily. I think. Um, I think 100 goals was probably something I was you know, a little bit disappointed not to reach. And I spent probably the last five or six years of my career playing as a holding midfielder as well. Yep. So, you know, for me in, in Australia or in South Australia, I probably only spent three seasons playing as a striker Jeez. um, and sort of scored about 50, 60 goals during that period. So it was disappointing to probably not to have played them more.
0: Well, you can probably do a, um, a, a Jonathan Negas and get yourself back on as a play yeah, coach. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I, You're only I 35. See, I see Nego
1: doing that and I just think to myself, oh, I'd pull up so sore on
0: Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so then you found your way back to Australia again to live. Yep. Um, and that's uh, where you found yourself back at Playford City again. Yep. How how do you manage to come back home? Was there a bit of a um, homesickness involved in this decision or just what happened there?
1: Uh I th- it coincided with my mum sort of turning around that 50 mark and yep. I'd been away. I'd been away for, you know, two and a half, three years with the Navy and I'd been overseas for three years and I'd probably seen my parents three times in that period of time mm. physically. So for me, it was just getting to that point where it was like I was sort of hitting 24, 25 and, and going, you know, it's probably that next step in life yep. um, and, and just trying to settle down. And and so, yeah, came home uh, <laughs> and and i wouldn't say homesickness i'd I'd probably say it was just more um wanting to wanting to be around family and just setting myself up for the next phase of my life i wanted to start coaching um and that was always something i I was passionate about doing
0: in between you went back and forth between multiple teams what was the the reason behind that and what teams were they that you jumped to and from
1: through yeah so i came back to playford and I, i had sort of two and a half seasons at playford um and and enjoyed it um my, my first half a season back was very enjoyable obviously won the league came back as a striker and then um Hugo Jimenez left um and Carl Maynard joined the club for two years and and Carl wherever Carl was I always played as a holding midfielder yeah <laughs> um so yeah. I think after two years I sort of got to that point where I was like I really wanted to play as a striker again and um I left I went to Raiders for around eight, eight or nine games maybe a very short period of time and Cole joined there as well um, <laughs> so I, I sort of went back under Steve D. who was doing well at Playford at the time and yeah wherever I went Cole sort of recruited me there and I always liked the opportunity to play under Cole because I thought he was a, a really good coach but at the same time um, I probably had a difference of opinion and where I f- best fit into a team Yep. um so yeah, getting getting out under Steve for for two and a half years, and that's that's pretty much where he played me up front the whole time. Yeah, sort of scored had two seasons of twenty five plus goals, and it was um it was a good time. So for So why
0: were you up front?
1: Other times, is there a reason uh, behind I, it? Or? I, I, look, I, you'd have to interview Carl. <laughs> um, look, I think I think ultimately it was just team needs yeah it's probably my assumption is is that Kyle really liked me in the midfield role maybe from a distribution perspective and maybe I wasn't his kind of striker I'm not too sure but still scored enough goals during those periods but yeah never really impacted the game as much as I thought I could from an offensive Mm. perspective so it was nice to play up front
0: yep so then you finally got to play up front there but then um, you found your way back to Patriots again yep um, play for Patriots and. You you helped them to get to the state league two title as well there. Yep. What was it like being a part of that team that um to, to win uh, to win
1: promotion back into the state league one where they obviously did des- uh, they thought they deserved to be. Yeah. Look, it was it was. I, I mean, I came back into a team that was doing reasonably well. Yep. Um. Look, I I felt I came back into a strong team, and I was sort of just I was more of a contributor. I probably didn't didn't. Didn't add a lot of value. That's me being brutally honest. I was yep. probably unfit. I I was finding my legs. I'd, I hadn't played. It was the off season over in England when I came back. So I joined I joined here halfway through a season, like just completely in a position of I wasn't even expecting to play. Yeah. And they sort of twisted my arm a little bit. And I had a lot of friends out there and, and that sort of all kicked that off. But yeah, um, obviously made a made a final with Playford later on um, where we lost to Mowbray under Steve. And that was probably the highlight of my career that season yeah um that was that was probably the most enjoyable season of football I've ever had
0: you're at Playford for most of your early career and most of your um your senior career as well but then you got towards the end of your playing career and you decided to move on to Modbury uh, Modbury Jets yeah you already had a little bit of coaching experience at um at your time during your time at Playford with the women's and the junior setup. But at Modbury, what was your role there? Because you
1: continued on your coaching role there as well. Yeah, so I, I moved into um, the under 18s role yep. at, at Modbury. It was probably, I mean, I, I, Jason recruited me there as a player first and foremost, but I had a passion to do, to do, to transition into senior football at that point from a coaching perspective. So I was fortunate enough to be offered the 18s role there as well. Um, and that was a really good three years. really enjoyed the, the coaching component of, of being involved at Mobbry and built a lot of strong relationships and got to work with a lot of good players who are still a part of the Mobbry first team to this day, and, and it's great to see them have that success that they're having.
0: How did that build up your coaching career starting off with the 18s there?
1: Yeah, I think just... The transition from juniors to seniors and getting to work with players a little bit more in, a, I suppose, a, an environment where we had expectations to want to win yep. um, and a lot of players at that stage being 16, 15, 16, 17, they're only one or two seasons away from from senior football. So you're trying to prepare them as much as possible for, for playing at that next level and I think what quite ha- often happens at that age as well is kid jump preserves a little bit yep. those really top end talents they go from 18s to to first team so trying to prepare them as much as possible for that step very beneficial and educational for me
0: and at the time where were modbury in the um in the leagues so our state league one back that period. Or yeah
1: you- so state league one during that period they they'd just been relegated from the npl yeah um so yeah they'd, they'd obviously gone up and then come back down um so that was their first season back down so um yeah, went out there from for a state league one and good good level to coach at as well.
0: And that was about six seven years ago now. Yeah. Um, so what now we're looking at them. they're a strong team here in twenty twenty two. they just uh, they got into the final cup final. Um, and now they're just won premiership uh, the premiers and promotion back into the NPL. What was it like with being with them in the year that they had been relegated from the NPL? because obviously. The uh, motivation would have been down a little bit, a little bit disappointed from that. What was it like coming in fresh and seeing that
1: environment? Yeah, look, I mean, the club was going through a lot of changes as a whole. the The artificial had just been approved, yeah. You know, so there was upgrades happening from a club perspective. And I look, I think financially the club had always been in a really good place, um, but it was going through a transitional period and. Um, yeah, certainly from those, there's, there's probably some more older players phasing out as younger players were phasing in. Um, and you know, you'd, you'd lost the likes of players like Tim Henderson and Salonia yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, look, from a from a club perspective, it was a great club to be involved with really nice people. And, and it's fantastic to see them having the success they're having now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting period from a transitional period because I think once they got that artificial and got Smith partners on board from a naming rights perspective, that's when they really kicked off.
0: Yeah. Now they're now look at an one um, an unstoppable team. They've got some great players that they've recruited back and the club itself seems very strong
1: as well and I agree. Yeah, look, I mean the, adding the two McKay brothers yeah. fantastic additions, <laughs> but you know, I think Probably what's been the strongest thing is is the fact that they've had consistency over the last sort of three, four years now as well. Um, you look at players like Dan DeTroyer and Michael Doyle at the back. They've yeah. they've been there for a while and Jesse's been there a while and even some of the younger players. They've got a really good blend of of experience and youth. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see. Even some of the boys I used to coach back in the 18s, like young Harrison Conant, like seeing him mm. sort of getting to play on the big stage, it's really enjoyable. I think any coach always takes enjoyment out of <coughs> seeing their players have that opportunity at first team level. Yeah,
0: they got some good ones, especially like Lippert, uh, Robbie Lippert, and then you got Matt, um, Mullen as Mullen well. Zally, there, yep. um, and then also Cooper Wegner, seven second goal can't go past that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic, but it's good for them, and it's a northern club as well. So, obviously, it's in your veins to be a part of that northern club. But then you made your way back into the uh, to the hills, yes, um, where you went, joined Sturt Lions, you're the um, State League One reserves uh, coach at that time, only a year there. What yep. was it like? Was it just purely coaching or any playing in the background as well?
1: No, look, I'd, I'd moved south. Um, and I'd had a baby. Yep. Um, and I was probably not in a position to, to play and coach. Yep. And I, I made the decision just to coach. Um, and yeah, so I took on the reserve role at Sturt. Um, still had the itch. I was still young. I think I was 32 at the time. But yeah, purely a coaching role. And, and look, really enjoyed it. It was a good opportunity to, to get out there. Sturt were uh, um, at that club, uh, at that time, sorry, a club that had really been building. Um, and, and I really enjoyed the what sturt was about and no no home base at that point you know we're playing out of the out of the shores but um look from a club perspective and from a people perspective a fantastic club to be involved in yeah and for
0: those don't know obviously they'll Rebuilding Carinia Reserve, yep. which has just opened up now, brand new facilities. And probably one, I don't know if you've been out there yet, but I've heard the pitch is one of the best in South Australia now.
1: Yeah, look, I've, I've only watched. I've been out there a couple of times to catch up on some games and um, catch up with some people. And it, look, it looks fantastic. Yeah. It's such a picturesque backdrop. And it is. Yeah, it's a beautiful place and it's, it's been well built. It's a proper yep. footballing facility.
0: And the view there, I hate winter, but the view in winter sometimes in the Allied Hills is a beautiful. Um, because we were sitting in the club rooms afterwards after a game um, I was commentating we are there watching and then sun comes down behind the trees the trees are all black the sky is red
1: it was beautiful yeah, no, it's like, and we used to, obviously, Daylight Savings, when you'd train there, you'd, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden it hits sort of that eight, eight o'clock at night and everything's sunsetting and like you look at yeah. your right and you see the whole city and, and all of Adelaide and stuff like that. It's a fantastic experience.
0: It is beautiful. But then uh, you made yourself central afterwards. You went back to Adelaide Uni that uh, that period. Um You joined Raf, Um Frazina, who obviously I've interviewed on here um in the past. Um And he spoke about that period because that's his second year full-time coaching he brought a lot of people in to try and bring some change to the club. You're one of those. Also, Mark Talbot was one of those who I've spoken to as well about this. What was it like for you to come into this club that was in a massive rebuilding stage from an amateur mentality kind of team set up to try and to go into more of that professional, semi-professional feel? What was it like for you to come into that?
1: Did you fit in nicely? Yeah, look, for me, I mean, I had a personal relationship with Raf um, and I'd, I'd probably expressed to him my desire to get involved with the first team. Um and, and he had Macron at that stage as well still, yep. and it was really kicking off. So I think it worked well for both of us in a sense that I was able to come and help him yep. and give him probably somebody that he trusted. Um, and look, the playing group at that stage, he was happy from the previous year. I think a lot had happened at the end of the last season and he was able to sort of establish the players he yep. wanted to keep and were able to make some really strong additions. Um, and it was it was a really enjoyable time to be involved with the club, and obviously making finals with them as well was mm. was, was was an exceptional achievement for him. And he won Coach of the Year that that year as well. So now, look, it was for me it was a great experience to be involved in a first team, um, and and just gave me that sort of foot in the door to yep. to what it was like. And
0: yeah, well, you also um, so that was your first experience in first team. your assistant coach, but yep. then during that season, you got your First opportunity, which was a massive call to make to join Salisbury United as the uh, your first ever senior coaching role, head coaching role. How did that opportunity come to you and what was it like when you finally got offered that role?
1: Yeah, look, it was about <laughs> six rounds to go in um, uh, the season and I, I got a phone call um, from a representative of Salisbury. Um, and they just sort of asked if I'd be interested in having an interview. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to have an interview and then sort of got offered the got for the gig the next week. Um, there was five rounds to go. Um, and, you know, I would probably at that stage had a desire to want to see the season out with uni. You yep. invest so much and we we're on a tipping edge at that point where finals was a possibility. Um, but Soresby were really keen to get me on board as well and just to have an assessment of the squad and where they're at so very fortunate that that RAF and uni were able to let me go Um, I was probably very lucky at that point that a lot of our games weren't conflicting either so I was able to still get to uni games and and support the boys so
0: so there was no match-up between uni and uh, there was there there was yeah my my my
1: (laughs) third game I think it was I think it was my third or second (laughs) game we had we had uni, um, and it was a very surreal experience because I, I was probably of the preference that I didn't really want to coach it. Yeah, because obviously, you know, you, you work with the group so closely, you have you have an understanding of what they're about, and I'd I'd really provided minimal information to the group. But my first game, we had started really strong and had a win over Gula. Um, and I think, yeah, we, we we sort of played uni and we had a really strong win in that game and I felt horrible because at that stage uni like we were down the bottom and uni yep. were pushing for finals and it's probably a result they expected to get. And oh, I felt so bad afterwards. But yeah, no, it was um it was interesting. Very mixed did emotions.
0: You, so you obviously did you use any of the uh, insights you had to uni against them or no No,
1: I no, didn't. didn't. Like I I knew at that stage uni had shifted to three at the back and and I, I just I didn't I didn't even put anything on the board before the game. I was just like I I, yeah, it was just more like, I was more in an assessment period. where So I, if, if I'm being honest, I probably wanted Uni to win the game because I wanted them to, to obviously go on and make finals. But yeah, they made a couple of mistakes and we punished them with goals. And then once the boys start getting yeah. involved in the game, it kicked on. But yeah, it was a very surreal experience. Did the
0: club know or uh, did they ever get brought up about what your, um, the way you're going to react in that game? Because obviously yeah. you, you had
1: a close attachment to Uni. Did that get brought up? Yeah, look, I'd spoke to him during the week. Um, and sort of said like, you know, my preference was probably to, to, to not really engage in that game. It's probably a discussion I'd had with RAF as well. Um, because I didn't want to, yeah. So, but I think them from a club and I didn't have an assistant at that time. Obviously I was brand new and I didn't bring an assistant in. So there was really no one who could step in for me. Yeah. I spent most of the game just sitting on the bench, not saying anything, because I was just watching and writing, but didn't really want to coach or fix anything. And I was just like, "Oh no, we're winning here. I don't know what to do." <laughs> it was a unique experience. What was Raf like? That he he obviously would understand, but what yeah, was I think s- it was a bit salty, though. I think because <laughs> I, th- I was expecting to win, and and, and like, I was I was probably I I, it was, I didn't celebrate. I, I definitely didn't celebrate. But yeah, it was it was a weird one because I think both of us probably expected that you were going to win that game and it was just, they had an off day and we had a good day and yep. I happened to be in the other coaching box. So it was, it was, it was a weird one.
0: Now, that's, um, so now you, you were there for, that was a 2020 season. Yep. 2021 you had an um another okay season there and now you've got your contract extension. Now you you signed a two year contract at the end of it in 20, I think it's this 20, this year, 2022, you signed your three year contract until 2025 What's it mean to you to be a part
1: of this team and actually have that support from a club to give you an extra three years extension? Yeah, look, I mean, when, when I took over the club, they'd won like 10 games of football in three seasons. Mm. So I came into a club probably at, at a really low end, um, no expectation, um, just very much wanting to sort of reestablish everything. And I think we've done that over the last couple of seasons. We've, we've rebuilt, I suppose the quality on the football pitch, but really put in place some of the stuff off the pitch as well. And obviously we're back at Burton now, which yep. is a big, big thing for the club. Um, so for me, I felt these first two seasons were very much sort of foundation years and re-establishing ourselves. And now with the three year extension, I suppose the benefit for me is hopefully taking the club to the next step. Now yep. they their their confidence in me that I'm the right person to take them forward. Um, and obviously from a coaching perspective, it gives me job security a little bit as well. So,
0: so next step for you, obviously is that, promotion to state league one is that what you guys are aiming for is that the
1: whole reason they brought you
0: to this club is to to get promotion yeah i
1: think so i I think i'd like to think that's one of the reasons they brought me in i think i think i fit their mold you know they're a club trying to re-establish themselves and i was a young coach trying to establish myself so I think we, we fit each other's timeline um, and there's, we, we make no secret of the fact that our ambition is to get promoted back to State League One. Um, I think that's where the club sees itself. They're the only Northern club that's ever won the top league. Yep. You know, So Salisbury was a very, very big club back in the day and, and there's a lot of people involved who still remember those days quite fondly and want to get back there. So we know it's, it's no quick fix mm. um, and we know it's one step at a time, but we would like to think over the next couple of seasons we're putting ourselves in a position to get back to that level.
0: Well, this is your third season at the club um you were very close to getting uh, into a position of promotion um where it was a very likely chance in top two um so you kind of put that focus on that for a, another important game which is uh i'm gonna highlight for you because i know you don't want to talk about it but i need to talk about it this year's uh, federation cup in south australia was a big one for state league teams because for the first time ever we had three state league teams in the uh in the semi-finals. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Modbury Jets, who won- um, ended up uh, getting into the grand final, the final against Adelaide City. Um, and then also, the uh, Eastern United in State League 1 and another State League 2 team, one of your opponents, Vipers FC. But if you go one step back to that, was the quarterfinals. There was only two NPL teams in that whole thing, Campbelltown and Adelaide City. Adelaide City were the team that you played in the quarterfinals. Um, and... You could have uh, knocked them out. Um, the potential uh, champion, they ended up being the champions. Um, so you can kind of use that against it. Say, oh, they're champions. We got knocked out by the champions, but you got knocked out by him. Um, they got smashed by them in the end. But it was a point in that game where you managed to level it out to one all, and everyone thought, here we go, another cup set is on the on the cards here. But you made a massive choice to change that, change the game. Can you please talk about that choice you made where you took off a lot of key players to focus on the league in the next league game on the weekend?
1: Yeah, look, it was probably at that halfway point of the year <laughs> for us where midweek games weren't ideal. Um, we don't have a deep squad and we'd, we'd had a big game on the weekend against Mobbury Vista, which we'd got up 4-2. Um, first, first, third, we're playing each other on the Saturday um, and, and we had a, a game against Seaford, on the sad day. And we'd sort of spoke on the Monday about what our goal, our ambition was. And obviously we wanted to, to go to Adelaide city and make a good account of ourselves, but I'd had a pretty deep discussion with the group about making significant changes around the 60th minute mark and taking off three or four players who had basically paid every game for us who were key players. And we hit the 60th minute and we're at one all. And I sort of looked at a few of them and, and they asked to stay on. Um, and then we got to the 75th minute and it was still one all. Um, and, and I probably made the, the decision um, to, to take two or three boys off who were, who were playing well at the time as well. And yeah, look, I mean, you, you put a couple of young lads onto the pitch who, who you know, were great, fantastic experience for them and, and their are Swordsbury lads. And to play against that caliber of players is definitely going to benefit them. But obviously the, the leveling quality. Yeah. Out after that, and obviously L.A. City go and score three goals in about five minutes, and um,
0: I think it was it was Kirker scored a couple. Kirker yeah. scored, and of then honor.
1: then Buko got one, and yeah, it was just it blew out pretty quickly, yeah. and it was pretty deflating. To, if, if I'm being honest with you, um, like probably not a reflection of how I thought the game went. Yeah, um, and yeah, it, it 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 wasn't a great result. <laughs> it didn't end up being. But would you? I,
0: Knowing the position you were in, you want obviously the league is where you want to get to because if you go up to State League One next year, obviously that's huge for the club. Yeah. Um, but would you change that decision that you made on a game day now knowing what you've done, what's happened, the way things have gone?
1: I think as a player, I would have never have wanted that decision to have been made because once you're in a game, you want to go for it. Yeah. Um, I think the coaching side of me came in where you know, before the season, everything about our goals and ambitions as a group was to get promoted yep. and every decision we had made was about that and achieving that target so as as strange as it might seem you know we look at it from a from a squad perspective and and at that level where we lack that depth that say you know LA city are bringing nick Book off the bench mm. you know we're not necessarily in that position so um you know they made changes as well just a different caliber of player but I wouldn't change it, no.
0: No. We could have, at that point, put yourself back on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Matt Gaston coming back on. <laughs> yeah, no, I would have got...
1: It probably would have been more. We would have conceded more.
0: But now looking back, that would have been a huge uh, thing. would have been four from four State League teams. The first time ever having two non-NPL uh, teams in the Australia Cup. But yeah. doesn't matter because LA City went on to win that. So I think it was inevitable. It was, uh, you are very lucky to get that equalizer in that game. But what was that experience like for the boys to play against Adelaide City, a team that's probably one of the uh, the benchmarks in the NPO at the moment. Um, but to get that experience during their really good run at that stage, they've kind of dropped off
1: now, but what was the life of the boys to get that experience as well um, against them? Yeah, look, we prepared well for them, I thought. Um, it was probably the first time we were gonna play against a team who we felt would dominate the ball. Yep. Um, so we, we set up to sort of, I suppose, counter them and, and we went in having the goal to be in the game at mm. halftime. I, mean, I think whenever you're a lower level team and you're playing a high level team, you want to make sure you don't get blown out early. And and we got in at halftime one nil down um, and probably conceded from a corner, which is the one area I didn't think we would concede from. Um, but we came out after halftime and, and really stabilized the game and they still had the ball, but they weren't as threatening. They were still threatening in the first half, but they weren't as threatening in the second half. And then when we got the goal, it was a very even game there for a good five, 10 minutes. And yeah, we, we, it, I think if we'd grabbed a second during that period, it would have made things very interesting. Mm. I don't think those changes would have happened then. But um, yeah, no, once we once it stayed at 1-0 and we got to that 75th minute, I felt it was 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 okay to make the changes. But
0: 15 minutes, so do you reckon that could have been all right for the boys to play that extra 15? Or
1: Oh, look, I do. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Um, I think, I suppose there was concern as well, you know, two of our previous cup games had gone to extra time as well. So we're getting to that point where, um, you know, some boys have played some significant minutes in, in the season. Um, you know, we didn't don't necessarily have a lot of depth, so there's not a lot of player rotation that happens at our level. So some boys have sort of, you know, they're, 12 games deep, 15 games deep mm. with the cup games on top and and there were some sore bodies and we'd already started noticing in the two or three weeks prior, some players were starting to manage themselves through training and I thought, oh, if this, this does roll into the 90th minute and all of a sudden it gets to that, that 100 yep. plus mark, then it could be a challenge and look, it is what it is, but... Yeah, wasn't was I was I probably wasn't the most popular person at the club there for a little while.
0: I can I can imagine was it a hard hard to go back to the club and face them afterwards, or they understand, or did it take a while?
1: Oh, look, we we we'd made it really clear it's what we were going to do, and there was an agreement from the group that it's what yep. we were going to do going into the game. But I think they made that agreement probably not realizing that they might be in the game at that yep. point. So <laughs> once they're in the game at that point, there's probably that that agreement isn't there mm. anymore. But um, yeah, look. It was pretty sombre on Thursday. I think yep. it was just more disappointment. But Yeah, you know.
0: just being so close. But it doesn't matter now. you you made that decision now. I remember Twitter. I've, I remember looking at the <laughs> Twitter comments and people saying, why would you do that? And then I remember you charming in and giving yep. your uh, opinion and saying, well, we'll see if it counts on the end of the season, But um, if that was the right decision. But you're, le- you're getting towards finals now, which is good. But um, talking about you, your heart was always in, um, in the north you you're coaching now you played in the north you're coaching now in the north but you live in Happy Valley so it's like a over a 55 minute drive from your house to the um to your training and uh, where you play as well what is it like to to, to to do that that travel all the
1: time yeah look it's a challenge i think you speak to any sort of senior coaches at this level and there's not a lot of jobs going so yep. you know you, once the opportunity came about travel was never going to be something that stopped me from doing something. So look, I'm really lucky, very supported at home. Um, and, you know, I, I have the opportunity to do it without too much fuss. Um, so for me, you know, sometimes it's nice. i got two young boys, um, so sometimes having a drive for an hour by myself and getting <laughs> yeah. to have some alone time isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, mm. But look, it's challenging, you know, weeknights, I get home at 10, thirty at night, so um, you know, eating dinner at ten thirty by myself in a dark house. But yeah, look, it's it's something I would I would do every day of the week. Yeah. I love football so much, and and, and is a fantastic club. I'd travel further if I had to.
0: Yep. So, what's it like being with Salisbury? What's there? Um, it like being at that club. Um, because obviously they're a like two team now, but they used to be a very strong team. Obviously, they've got a strong community. What's it like
1: being there as well? Yeah. Look, I think the 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 people off the pitch are fantastic. I, th- I think sometimes you don't necessarily appreciate it until you're in the inner sanctum mm. and you see how high- every club has them people who work behind behind the scenes and are devoted volunteers and there's fantastic people at the club and lots of lots of old old people mm. you know heavily involved. I think. The club lost a little bit when it moved from the old Steve Jarvis Park. It lost that little bit of connection, but now that we're back at Burton and obviously Steve Jarvis Park, the new one, um, it's it's starting to build it again now. We're starting to get more and more people out week in, week out, and those those people are starting to get reconnected to the club as well. So we're going through that transitional phase at the moment, but yeah, look, absolutely fantastic people there and i f- forever feel supported. Yeah. Um, you know, and every club has them, but I, I, sometimes I think when you're in a club, you feel like yours are the best and I certainly feel like mine are.
0: Yeah, well, it seems like a good fit for you now. You're in the north, it's an hour drive, but at least you can reflect on the, the game plan and think, maybe I shouldn't have taken the players off the of 75 minutes <laughs> in yeah, <to> the cup. <laughs> definitely, no,
1: definitely. That's a long drive down the expressway, dwelling it, on things. It would
0: have been that night as well, I'd assume. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The season for you guys, hopefully it goes well, but it doesn't matter what happens right now because the future could... In you're only been there for two years, so in three years' time mean, you may make it to the semi-finals. Who knows?
1: Yeah, that's it. Look, I mean, I think I think it's always the ambition to have a good cup run. Yeah, everyone wants a good cup run. Yeah, um, this one was surprising this year in 2022. Yeah, I agree, and I think I think you always, as a lower level club, you always want that opportunity to test yourself against the best. Yeah. So as much as at that time I was like, there was a lot of non mpl clubs involved, and I was like, oh, it would have been nice to grab one of those, but at the same time, getting getting the likes of Adelaide City was. Was fantastic for us. Mm. Would have liked him at home. Yep, that
0: would have been a lot easier yeah. for you as well, I'd assume. But uh, mate, thank you so much for joining me. It's been uh, a pleasure talking about your football career and the the struggles you've gone through as well with um, your diagnosis, and then obviously leaving to go uh, to be in the defence force, then overseas, and then back home, and then everywhere in between. It's been it's been great to uh, talk about all that, mate. But before I let you go, I'm sure you've heard an episode before with Raf, um who was your uh, former coach, head coach. You'll know how it all ends with the kicking at questions. You probably had a thought about this prior to today. Or... No, I've
1: gone in cold, mate. Gone, gone, in, gone cold. in cold.
0: Oh, I like this. All right. So who would you love to kick um, kick with on the park? Anyone in the world? Uh,
1: anyone in the world? Dennis Burkamp.
0: Yep. Any reason behind that choice? Uh,
1: just uh, my, my Omar and Opar are Dutch. And yep. I always watched okay. a lot of Dutch football. And, and I just thought he was an incredible talent. Just done things and made things look so easy. And I just think, ah, oh, if I could ever be a footballer, it would have been him.
0: Would, and also talking about being Dutch, so is that, does that play into the way you uh, do your uh, coaching as well? Or not <laughs> no, really? no, that's my step family. I haven't yep, inherited okay. any of the I Johan in- Cruyff stuff out <laughs> of them.
1: But no, look, I think, I think anyone my age sort of has an affiliation to... You know, Barcelona dominating world football there for a little while and Spain yep. dominating. So we all have probably yep. had a look at what they do, but not so easy to do with semi-pro footballers out in South Australia.
0: Yep, playing the Barcelona style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> hey, um, And then who would you love to kick with on a Saturday night and uh, have a few beers, watch some footy with, one locally, one international? Uh,
1: locally? Um, look, someone I, I played with a lot when I was a bit younger, but Sean Arman, Lenny yep. Fox, the king. Um, he seems to know everybody in, in South Australia and it was always a good time. Um, yep. Great nights out Uh Get okay. fond fond memories and look internationally. Um, I'm a bit of a bit of a Tom Cruise fan. Okay, love Top Gun. Um, I reckon Tommy would have a have a decent night out. Yeah, he's, he's a bit of a wild child, so wouldn't mind having a few beers. Nice. With I like how you've gone on football as well. Yeah, look, I mean. <laughs> Hey, he might be a football fan. We don't know. I don't think he would. I think that bloke would have some serious stories. I wouldn't mind kicking about and be some celebs around him as well. So, no, I reckon it'd be a good night.
0: Yeah, nice. Tom Cruise, f- that's it. There we go. The first non-footballer to uh, kick with on the Saturday night. No, I like it. No worries. <laughs> no, thanks for joining me, mate. I really appreciate it. And good luck um, during your time at uh, Salisbury United. Hopefully, in the next three years, we can see hopefully a promotion and maybe another a semi-final this time. Um, Appearance in the Cup, Federation Cup.
1: That'll be very nice. I'd, I'd really look forward to that. Hopefully, that's a, a glimpse into the future.
0: Thank you for joining me, mate.
1: Cheers, Johnny. Appreciate it, mate. Thank you.
0: That was the head coach of the Salisbury United in the State League Two in South Australia, Matt Cassidy. Make sure you subscribe to Kicking It Local wherever you get your podcasts so you can get a taste of the SA football community. Plus, follow at Kicking It Local SA on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any of the action. See you soon.